Welcome, listeners, to the 27th chapter of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, an episode on Jeffrey Epstein and the real Pizzagate. We are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Julian Field, and Travis View. So, uh, usually in this part, I try to sell you on how great the episode is going to be. In this case, due to our subject matter, I'm toning down my boastful claims, and I'll simply say that this episode is really something. It's an absolute corker of a story, mates. First, uh, we'll be exploring QAnon's take on Jeffrey Epstein. Then we'll be listening to Uncle Jakey's story time. And finally, we will end with a deep dive into Jeffrey Epstein, during which we will make use of logic, facts, and reason. I was paid $5 to say that last part by Travis, who was sick of me telling him that truth is dead. But before we descend into the abyss... QAnon News First up, a suspect in Comet Ping Pong Fire charged with arson after a fight with police. I saw this video. It's so fucking funny. Yeah, so this was first reported by NBC News 4 in Washington, D.C. And uh, back on January 23rd, like we said, a man set uh, a curtain at uh, Comet Ping Pong on fire with matches and lighter fluid. And uh, this week, uh, police say on January 5th, they have apprehended the suspected arsonist, 22-year-old Ryan Remus Jasilskis. But by the way, like, I have to say, if you're going to burn a place to the ground, why do it in broad daylight instead of just coming later and just setting fire to some, I'm assuming, a corner of the building with a match? Yeah. Because <laughs> I only understand the world in cartoon. Right. Well, this was not a very thoughtful man. See, apparently he was uh, he yeah. was he was apprehended on February fourth after getting in a fight with uh, law enforcement officials right outside the uh, Washington Monument in D.C. So, dude, dude, watching that fight again reminded me of what cops do with white people. Right. Like they will get into an extended two-man fist fight mm-hmm. rather than shoot them. Yeah, yeah. The- uh, black people dead way before. Yeah. So uh, the, yeah, the brawl was captured on video, and the, we'll, we'll link to the video of that of that uh, it's fight. Be- it's beautiful. In Patreon. <laughs> and I love it. It, the, the video is extremely American. You can see yeah. like two cops brawling with a man who may have set fire to a pizzeria because of a deranged internet conspiracy theory right in front of the base of the Washington Monument, while American flags majestically flap <laughs> in the background. And it's like shot through a chain link fence by yes. some random. It, it, it does. And it's end with him being brought to the ground with a taser gun. So why it, was he at the monument? Was he just out there like checking it out or this is still unknown. <laughs> he's just, he's just there saluting and the cops found him. Yeah. And here's the best part is that so that video was captured on February 4th when he was arrested. He was uh, and he was released from jail that day and he went back to the Washington Monument on February 5th, the next day and where he was arrested again. And that's when they figured out, oh, this is the this is the arson suspect. That's where they sort of wait, wait. So they arrested him once for what? Oh, oh, for for trespassing. Uh, there, but there was a there was a construction barrier around the Washington Monument. Yeah, and um, and uh, it got into an altercation with police of being somewhere. And then he went back. And then he went back the next day. Was he trying to find the underground tunnels? It, we might have a national like, treasure situation here. Yeah. As like, right. uh, <laughs> so we'll see how the story unfolds. Amazing, amazing mind. I'll say that much. So um, a video posted on Jaskelski's uh, parents' YouTube account the night of the fire seems to provide a possible link between the alleged arson and uh, QAnon. So the account uh, posted the popular Q the plan to save the world video. 
So right now, this was of, his parents' account. This was his, this yes, this was is not this like his a, account. This is parents' account. But it's like an Andrew Torba situation where his well, mom like is down. Maybe they all have the same account. We don't know exactly yeah. what's going. On. So so like the responsible journalist thing yeah. to do would be it's like well his motive is is unknown. Right, but, but we're not responsible journalists. We're not. We're not. Fuck so, those people. So it's 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 looking like we might have uh, you know, so some QAnon influences Fuck in the, yeah. this fire. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Second story. Uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg gets back to work, and QAnon doesn't care. It's incredible that a dead woman can work. It is. I, I'm it just is. saying that because, like, it is. This it's, is weekend at Bernie's feet. times ten. Like, wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So this week, Ruth Bader Ginsburg returned to the Supreme Court to participate in private conferences with fellow justices. So this was a problem for QAnon people who insisted that Ginsburg was in fact dead, and uh, like you mentioned, dead people are notoriously unable to show up for work. Yeah. Uh, so the, some in the community actually upgraded her status from dead to not dead for like uh, QAnon promoter Joe M. After repeatedly insisting that she's dead, now it just says that she is incapacitated. Right. So she's being propped up like weekend at yeah, Bernie's and, yeah. f- and fucking rolled into the. Uh, uh, what's that, Ruth? Is that your decision? Uh huh. Uh huh. Oh, it is. Oh, cool. <laughs> she's down, guys. Right. That's <laughs> but, the thing with adrenochrome is that you can be dead and alive at the same time. Most of the other uh, rest of the QAnon community, they sort of they respond with like picks or it didn't happen. And, you know, I, like, I think this is a really confusing evidence threshold since, you know, cameras aren't allowed in the Supreme Court while it's in session. And uh, in a photograph of Ruth Bader Ginsburg it would be exponentially easier to fake than a Supreme Court meeting with other justices. I mean, Photoshop is a powerful tool, but it's not yet good enough to trick Chief Justice John Roberts into thinking he's meeting Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. And uh, for my final story this week, uh, I. Q picks up the posting pace for February, and this was uh, just a sort of a general observation. So Q has been sort of like in kind of a slump in the past few months, right? right? Yeah, he like, hasn't done shit. Yeah, January there Lazy was like there was bitch. only thirty-one Q drops, and then Q took like the last week of December off, and so can it was you imagine? Kind of slow. First of all, there are more people that follow Q by far than listen to our podcast. Yeah, and yet our respect for our listeners seems to outweigh by far. QAnon's respect. We dropped two a, uh, a week, yeah. one premium, one normal. Q can't even fucking stick to that schedule. That's true. We 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 grind way more than QAnon. Yeah. yeah. Q is a lazy bitch. Yeah. Low yeah. effort posts. Low effort. <laughs> totally. But this this past week, this past couple weeks, sort of Q has really picked up the pace. Yeah. Been it's like, been it's been nice. I've been I've yeah, been it's, following. It's been yeah. A lot. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's weird that all he posts is come tribute videos. But yeah, <laughs> like I'm down. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I mean, just sort of like moderating community. I feel like they've been really sort of invigorated by the new post. Like, for example, yeah. they, they think that basically that Q predicted that President Trump would use a national emergency to help build the wall. Right. So right. They, they, they feel more energized and yeah. va- validated than they have in like, I feel like a couple months. I feel well, like they're doing, they're on a high right now. I think that Q is, is smart. Uh, in this, in his his recent posting pattern, because there there was like a QAnon Christmas basically a couple days ago, which was that yeah. Burr was confirmed. Uh, you yep. know, um, I'll tell though, you something. It's not going to be a Q Hanukkah, even though even though some people believe that he, the fact that he was confirmed so quickly. 
uh, signifies that he's uh, compromised and a part of the deep state. So there's some yeah. there's some QAnon followers who are not who are not in on the uh, in on the jam. Um, but you had yeah you had Burr confirmed. You had uh, Trump declare a, a national mer- emergency, and and you've got uh, reports that are starting to filter into the mainstream media that Mueller is wrapping up his uh, investigation. Yep. And so Q has really seemed to kind of seize on that. And there's some chatter in the community that oh now that Burr has been confirmed and he's in, he's the guy that's going to bring down the hammer. Yeah, and so of course. of course Q is now finally free to uh, you know. It's the same thing off. every fucking time. Some cop motherfucker with a thick ass neck like gets appointed to some fucking position they're like finally finally he's gonna pulverize the blacks the jews everybody's gonna fucking destroy them this time it's the real time (laughs) all right next up we have jeffrey epstein and QAnon with our magnificent hot beautiful dad our fucking daddy really Travis underscore view. <laughs> so, you know, I think that, you know, concern over children and the horrifying things that the uh, elite cabal allegedly does to them, I think it's really a central component of QAnon. It Absolutely, sounds so yeah. fucking cool. I'm sorry. I really want to be part of the elite cabal. Like, yeah. it just sounds fucking cool as hell. Yeah. That's some Metal Gear Solid shit. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, yeah, it was like it was like a it was a central feature of QAnon's predecessor, Pizzagate. Well, uh, Pizzagate posits that um, that was sort of like the, all of this child abuse was centralized in D.C. and this Washington pizza parlor. QAnon says it's like it's happening everywhere all over the world. Right. And like everyone who's like famous or rich or powerful in any sense or is kind of in on it. And in fact, um, I think that uh, there's a, this worldwide vast network that funnels children to the elites and Trump and the Q team are working to break up these networks. Um, the first part. Unfortunately, true. Well, the second part, unfortunately, is so false that it's incredible. In fact, uh, QAnon people think that saving children from this horror is why Donald Trump ran for president in the first place. On uh, November 14th, 2017, QDrop said this. Perhaps he could not stomach the thought of mass murders occurring to satisfy Moloch. Perhaps he could not stomach the thought of children being kidnapped, drugged, and raped while leaders slash law enforcement of the world turn a blind eye. So yeah, that, that mention of Moloch is a really tell that Q is kind of signaling to evangelicals. And so uh, so Moloch was a Canaanite god of fire who was mentioned in the Old Testament book of Leviticus to whom children were offered in sacrifice. Hells yeah. Well, I think I think really is sort of a obvious question is, well, if Trump is aware of these sort of these uh, horrifying child trafficking rings and he's working to break them up, then where are these children now that he's president? Right. And uh, I think uh, QAnon believers had the same question. So on uh, December 19th, 2017, a uh, 4chan anon asked this. Q, where are the children? Seriously, where are the children? (laughs) (laughs) And Q responded with this. 3,000 plus saved by the raids in Saudi Arabia alone. Worldwide lane shut down. Bottom to top. Haiti. Red Cross. Classified. High priority. So, yeah, so like we mentioned in sort of the Saudi Arabia episode, they thought that Saudi Arabia was uh, central to this worldwide cabal of, uh, you know, child trafficking ring. And the bit about, like, when they mentioned Haiti, that's probably referencing the case of Laura Silsby and the New Life Children's Refuge. So... 
what happened was that uh, in the aftermath of the Haitian earthquake in 2010, a group of 10 American Baptist missionaries from Idaho attempted to cross the Haitian, the Haiti-Dominican Republic border with 33 Haitian children, most of whom were not orphans and had families, in fact. So that's just kidnapping, basically. That's just cool. That's just, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that is like you know, child trafficking, literally. Like, Which so, is cool. Yeah. Totally. Very cool. Very legal. Super cool. So uh, they were arrested, and the... Um, and the, the founder of this missionary organization, Laura Silsby, was eventually convicted of a lesser charge ca- called uh, arranging irregular travel in Haiti. You gotta be <laughs> fucking kidding me. Damn, I hate being caught at the border and I have to open my coat and there's 33 children in yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> I, guess, I guess you could consider that irregular. It's not normal, I'll tell you that much. The QAnon community thinks there's some sort of tight connection between Silsby and Hillary Clinton. So uh, there were leaked Hillary Clinton emails that show that Huma Abedin had forwarded news articles about Laura Silsby's case to Hillary Clinton. But that's not weird when you consider Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State at the time, and Laura Silsby was a U.S. citizen being prosecuted by a foreign government in a whole high-profile case. So no, 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 though she was sending her a catalog. Right, Hillary chose <laughs> the hi- Haitian child, <laughs> and and guess what? She based it on uh, the child that had the best pussy-eating abilities. <laughs> oh Jesus! Christ. Yeah, and and she marked the box on the back uh, to be delivered uh, fifteen CDs uh, as uh, part of a uh, yeah, box collection this side up <laughs> this side up you don't want to fucking make a child uh, beat up on the way did to you, you did you guys ever do that when you were kids uh, order order the cds from the the join the cd catalog and like the back of the magazine no i never did but i was always like what the fuck is this? i always thought it was a scam no i i did it i did it once um and uh it and it, it ended very poorly for me i used yeah? my parents information to get the cds and it was shit like do they it, base it like basically like their whole business model is like like people forget to cancel. Yeah, it's it's like the HBO free trial essentially. Like yeah, you yeah, you pick so out 15 CDs or whatever and then they and then they charge you, you free, know, the second month, yeah. But then they charge you later. And I got shit like, you know, like the Offspring CD and like That's right. Good yeah, taste. Yeah, great taste and Which uh, one? Smash or uh, the first one, whatever the no, the, it's not the first one. Everyone thinks it's the first one. No, it's not the first the, that broke big. Yeah, it was the first that broke big Smash. with the with the X ray with the X ray skeleton yeah. on the front. Yeah, it's a great ass album. Yeah. It is fucking awesome. Uh, okay, noodles. Sorry, sorry Travis. Continue. Noodles, uh, uh, come on the pod. Noodles, yes, please. Noodles. So uh, the QAnon community is very loud about wanting to save the children. And uh, sometimes I see uh, people on Twitter say, like, well, why is the QAnon community concerned themselves so much with child abuse, but they never mention Jeffrey Epstein? And um, so, so as Julian is going to go into more detail later in this episode, Jeffrey Epstein is a well-connected billionaire who has been accused of uh, sexually abusing dozens of underage girls who was convicted of uh, solicitating. Uh, 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 under- almost like 100. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. Oh so he, he's, he's a very, very bad man. So... Um, but the truth is, is that uh, Q has mentioned uh, Epstein several times. So the first mention of Epstein occurred all the way back on November 11th, 2017, just two weeks after the first Q drop. And here's what it said. Epstein Island. What is a temple? What occurs in a temple? Worship? Why is the temple on top of a mountain? How many levels might exist below? What is the significance of the colors, design, and symbol above the dome. Why is this relevant? So yeah, it's another one of the tunnel things. Yeah. There's, there's something about, uh, because you know they're dealing with uh, non-reality, 
it uh, is very convenient that they find their non-reality literally below the visible. Right, right. It is yeah. underground. Right. And it's not underground techno. It's not a fun Berlin time. You can't dance all night to it. It's literally it's just outside being... of sunlight. It just, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's can... just kids being molested. Yeah, right. But uh, here Q is referring to Little St. James Island in the U.S. Virgin Islands. What a fucking hilarious name for the island where... Yes, yeah. and this, was a pri- this was an island privately owned by Epstein. Yeah. So, uh, so in, on that island, there happens to be sort of this unusual small square building and surrounded by palm trees. And, it's actually a Japanese spa. And uh, I'm not kidding. It's a standalone Japanese spa that he had on that island. Yeah. And Interesting. The, this, yep. this Japanese spa, so, so it has a blue horizontal stripes painted on the sides and a gold dome. Plus, there, there are two statues perched on top of two corners of the building, which may, which many conspiracy theorists believe to depict owls. And uh, this is significant to QAnon and conspiracy theorists generally, because owl is an evil symbol used by the cabal or the Illuminati. There's a, there's a little fucking bar that like is, you know, like kind of like giving you details on what they're showing. And it just says, where smiling pedos can be waiting. <laughs> Which yes. is just yes. very the fuck. Yeah, it's almost like fant- it's almost like a, a weird fantasy. They're talking about how it's like a doctor's waiting room. Yeah. And but the pedos are smiling they're in there, smiling. I guess. They're waiting, and that sucks. No one likes waiting, but they're smiling because they, they know they know what awaits them. Exactly. It's not a doctor's visit. It's a, a really fun time. Right. So, yeah, Q here is implying that this building was used for unspeakable acts of Satan worship involving children. And uh, notice that question, how many levels might exist below? So that's, uh, there's no evidence this is actually the case, but QAnon people believe that the building was an entrance to an elevator that carried the Sikko elites to secret underground layers of Epstein Island, where they indulged in their twisted perversions. Literally no need. You can molest the people uh, in the fucking building. There's no... Yeah. Sh- you don't on, need to go underground. Bo- on the boat that arrives. Yeah. Also, you can molest children without needing to, uh, you know, worship Moloch. Like, uh, that's just a weird added thing. Yeah. So, so the idea that uh, there's some sort of unspeakable goings-on underneath Epstein Island was reinforced in an April 3rd, 2018 Q drop. And uh, Q said this. Why is Epstein spending $29 million to bury the tunnels underneath his temple on Epstein Island? Problem? Phones were allowed in. These people are stupid. Q. So, yeah, so they're implying that it's like, oh, there's some evidence from, from phones of what exactly was going on underneath these temples, which has not yet to be, be, be released. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen anything. So, yeah, actually, I love when, like, Q takes on the smug, oh, you were in checkmate this whole time. Because <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, it, I think it really sort of um, reflects the kind of the attitude of the QAnon community themselves. Like, there's like, they always are like, oh, yes. you thought you were so smart, so arrogant, but I was smarter. Well, yeah, I mean, you are a product of who you hang around with. So if you're, you know, constantly just like hanging out in Q message boards and forums, you're, you're inevitably going to pick up some of his characteristics. Yeah. But what exactly do they think was going on underneath Epstein Island? And they assume it's something involving child rape and sacrifice but the details and who exactly were the victims and why these ch- where these children's parents are are kind of fuzzy. 
And um, the thing is, is that, you know, a lot of these like QAnon narratives, they take on like they're like uh, movies and like sometimes they're like a political thriller. Right. And this this element is really more of a horror mm-hmm. where they, they they leave like sort of like the what the uh, horrifying things that are really going on. So like super, super fuzzy. So you can sort of imagine sort of like what it is in your head. So in April 4th, 2018, QDrop, Q posted a satellite photo of Epstein Island. And it also included an especially cryptic Q drop. Um, So in that drop, Q said this. Where do roads lead? Each prince is associated with a cardinal direction, north, south, east, and west. Sacrifice. Collect. Classified 1. Classified 2. Tunnels. Table 29. D-room H. D-room R. D-room C. Pure evil. <laughs> Conspiracy. Q. Hillary Rodham Clinton <laughs> loves the D room. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of weirdness going on there. So that, that line about each prince is associated with a cardinal direction, north, south, east, and west. That's a reference to the four satanic crown princes of hell. And this is a concept in Levian Satanism. Uh, the, the four crown princes of hell are supposed to be Lucifer, Satan, Bilal, and Leviathan. Moloch is nowhere to be found. No, Moloch's not this there. This fucking sucks. So uh, t- tunnels here, imply, again, it's just referencing that there's some sort of underground tunnels in Epstein Island. And of course, you know, there's sort of, there's a sort of, sort of vague HRC, Hillary Rodden Clinton there. Yeah. Uh, reference there. And uh, in another instance, Q, Os- Q also posted a photograph of a smirking Bill Clinton with his arm around a lovely young woman in a knit cap. And... Uh, this this photograph isn't new. It was actually popular among Pizzagate conspiracy theorists back in 2016. She's wearing a a, a beanie in in terrible taste. Like <laughs> I just don't think it looks good. And this uh, April 6, 2018, Q drop that included this photograph said this: Epstein's plane. Who is she? Follow friends. Friends lead to others. Open source. Q. So according to QAnon people, uh, the woman in the photograph next to Bill Clinton is Rachel Chandler. Here's what uh, QAnon promoter Lisa May Crowley had to say about Rachel and this photograph in an April 6, 2018 tweet. Number 16, William Jefferson Clinton with Ray Rachel Chandler on Lolita Express heading to and from Epstein's Orgy Island. An Anon found some links on her. She was likely used to lure high-level politicians slash public figures to the island and get them on video having sex with minors, or worse, for blackmail purposes. This literally actually checks out. Well, that might check out. I mean, I don't mean her specifically, but the claim that that Epstein was using young girls to recruit other girls and that Bill Clinton was involved is true, Which, which is crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. This is the best podcast. But <laughs> you so, heard it here. Uh, one of the co-hosts reviews this podcast as the best. <laughs> so I actually I did some research to actually try to find out who the w- woman in the photograph is and where it came from. And uh, while the where the photograph came from is a bit mysterious, the only thing that the crack QAnon researchers got right was the the name of the woman and that the photograph was taken aboard a private plane. So the, the photograph was actually originally published by Gawker in 2006 and was sent to them by an anonymous source. 
and the source, whose trustworthiness is unknown, claimed that uh, the woman is 19-year-old named Rachel, who was attending NYU, and the photograph was taken on board a private plane owned by a different billionaire named Ron Burkle. And uh, Ron Burkle is a Democratic donor who had close ties with Bill Clinton. So why would Bill Clinton take a photo with a girl that's 19 with his arm so firmly holding her thoracic cage? Why? Well, we're going to get to that. Okay. So that actually tracks with other information that's available about Rachel Chandler. Uh, apparently about a decade ago, Rachel gained a, a small amount of fame as a, D as a DJ nightlife photographer and socialite in New York. An interview with her in The Cut in 2009 said that she was 22 years old at the time. And that matches Gawker's anonymous source that claimed that Rachel was 19 years old in the photograph, assuming that the photograph was recent was published in 2006. Roger. So... And there's actually, there's more information. So currently, uh, Rachel Chandler is a wife, mother, and co-owner of a New York casting agency called Midland. In February of 2018, uh, The New Yorker published a short profile about her and her casting agency. But, of course, why was 19-year-old Rachel Chandler on billionaire Ron Burkle's plane with Bill Clinton's hand on her hip in 2006? Well, uh, Rachel is a Los Angeles native, and I wasn't able to confirm this bit unfortunately, but she may be a member of the wealthy Chandler family who used to own the Los Angeles Times. She may be one of the friends. So uh, Rachel has been uh, photographed with uh, lots of other L.A.-based uh, celebrities like Paris Hilton and Pete Diddy. So that certainly is consistent with her being a California heiress. True. And uh, as it so happens, when, in 2006, when, Gawk, when the Gawker photo of Rachel Chandler and Bill Clinton was first published, the Chandler family was selling their, co their company, Tribune, uh, Tribune Co., and was weighing a bid from Ron Burkle. Fascinating. This actually tracks with some of the, uh, you know, some of the uh, diatribe around Pizzagate that these wealthy elite families would would gift their children to these other wealthy, you know, other wealthy people as as some sort of a uh, 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 collateral disclaimer. Jake is being Jake. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so there are some missing puzzle pieces here. But if I were to indulge in a bit of speculation, it seems like Rachel is an heiress to the Chandler fortune. It was hanging out on Burkle's plane because Burkle was trying to schmooze the board members of the Chandler family trust in order to secure a deal. And so Rachel met Burkle's close friend, Bill Clinton. So, and I just found the idea that, you know, just wealthy, powerful people were just hanging out uh, more plausible than Rachel was an underage seductress for Jeffrey Epstein before giving up that life to DJ and then run a New York casting agency. <laughs> You're going to really not like my segment. All right. You're really not going <laughs> to like mine either. <laughs> anyways, anyways it, there's, uh, there's absolutely no evidence that I could find of any connection between Jeffrey Epstein and Rachel Chandler. So, yeah, just, this, this seems like just another situation where, where they have this photograph and it's weird. And, and so the QAnon community, they, they run to like just the most dramatic, craziest explanation that they could find rather than like actually connecting the dots and finding out it's actually kind of a boring story. Yeah. <laughs> like the Rothschild photo with the, the deer head. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, but what, what exactly happened to Jeffrey Epstein in the QAnon world? Well, the last time Q ever mentioned Epstein was on August 6, 2018. And it implies there's kind of like a happy resolution to the Epstein story. And here's what it says. Excuse me. <clears throat> Beautiful. 
Saudi Arabia, access closed. Epstein Island, access closed. Haiti, access closed. NK, access closed. China, access closed. Russia, access closed. Cuba, access closed. So yeah, here Q is just saying that like it's like all of these uh, these these ports or these hubs of child trafficking, we've shut them down, <laughs> and like and and okay, and Q didn't like mention at all anything sort of after that, Epstein at all. There's any resolution of what happened to these children in the underground tunnels, or again where the parents are, or why Jeffrey Epstein is a free man after committing all these atrocities. Q just dropped the issue last August and that's that's it they just didn't didn't mention anything about Epstein at all after that cool interesting I wonder why he fell off in the face of maybe maybe the thought of of actual real like real pedophilia and Pizzagate stuff is like too much in a yeah, weird yeah. way. Like, like the, the Q feel, folks kind of like to hang out in that place of plausible deniability that it, yeah. that it is kind of this movie. And yeah, I, I mean, they, 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 they like, don't like Epstein as much because he's accused with Trump. Right. Uh, right. Of, of doing the rape to but, the underage girls. So, but I also, I think, I think you're right. It's like, it's like they like, they almost like it when all the pedophilia horrifying things are hidden. Yeah. And here, here's like, there's actually like, evidence and like testimony and like it's fucking real yeah it's that real. that like you know, that actually it's like oh getting too real getting too real they want the yeah. they want to indulge in the sort of like the more the fantasy version of the pizza yeah the more shit. the more fun version where they don't have to <laughs> you, yeah you know, they fun, don't have... fun version of the cabal child rape cult. yeah it's like the more it's like the storybook version as opposed to having to like deal with like the real shit because when you see that as you'll see in julian's section when you see the real shit that's that's documented and the people that he's with it tears down a lot of, you know, their core sort of belief structures. Next up, we have Jake doing something. I'm not clear on what it is. He never shows us any of the text before we record. <laughs> this is a surprise for everybody. I, He's uh, a monster. I purposefully do this because... Should we do a trigger warning here? Is it bad? Is, yeah, okay. it's bad. So there's a trigger warning for what? Everything that you could imagine. Sexual violence. Yeah. Physical violence. Well, you know what? It's a trigger warning because it's making light in in some ways of the horrible things that happened on Epstein Island uh, for the sake of comedy. So unless you enjoy a hilariously ironic <laughs> child rape story uh, that, uh, you know, rings like a jack. There is no actual. There is no actual rape uh, in the story. Oh, uh, OK. Letting you know. But but That's it's better than my story. But it's implied. Um so, you know, when I was trying to come up with a with a story for this, I was I was looking around just to see, you know, who who has has been on record uh visiting um Epstein Island and who would be the funniest who would be the funniest uh, sort of narrative uh that we could delve into. Um I will tell you that much of the events that I'm about to describe are true and did happen. And some of it I made up. Uh, so without <clears throat> this is good. This this is gonna be that's a great thing. You guys you are know, gonna be just just a fucking poopery of fucking shit. Who knows what's true or false? Jake at his best. So without further ado, I bring you <clears throat> Stephen Hawking goes to Epstein Island. He Jesus did. Christ. He actually did. <laughs> he really did go to Epstein Island. It was March two thousand and six. 21 internationally renowned scientists were gathered at the Ritz-Carlton St. Thomas, one of the most exotic and beautiful hotels in the world. The occasion was a conference titled Confronting Gravity, 
a workshop to explore fundamental questions in physics and cosmology. Confronting gravity. The Frisbee. (laughs) But that was all bullshit. Hawking knew that. The conference was founded and hosted by Jeffrey Epstein, and if there was one thing Epstein didn't have, it was an understanding of gravity in any sense whatsoever. He is dumb. I can verify that. Nope. Hawking thought, just like everyone else, he was there for the girls. Hawking. I'm actually corroborating so far. Hawking sat in the back of a dimly lit auditorium, listening to Gerardist hoofed blather on about something or other. He chuckled at the idea of telling his speaker machine to yell, Boring! (laughs) (laughs) At full volume at the bumbling scientist, but seeing as he had accidentally knocked his speaking wand onto the ground about five minutes earlier, the lecture would unfortunately go uninterrupted. So bad. One of his. This is bad, you guys. Yep, um, it's bad. I, I, uh, I trigger know, warning. I know it's for bad. bad stuff. I know it's bad. One of his handlers had told him that Epstein had arranged for private planes to take members of the conference over to his private island once the lectures were finished. Hawking had heard all about it: orgies, young women, sex slaves. Even Hawking's multidimensional imagination couldn't even fathom such sinful treasures. And throughout the entire conference, he often caught himself drooling at the prospect of them. Quantum physics of molesting a young girl. <laughs> Of course, his dick was useless. That ship had long since sailed. But that didn't stop Hawking from enjoying less illicit pleasures. <laughs> what is wrong with you? We cannot publish this. Of course, his dick was useless. That ship had... <laughs> don't, don't reread the line. That, sh- was... <laughs> that ship had long since sailed. But that didn't stop Hawking from enjoying less illicit pleasures, like having boobies dangled in his face. A he t- did go to strip clubs. A text from his handler blipped across his laptop screen. Boarding soon. Hawking moved slowly, his motorized wheelchair gliding across the sun-soaked air. Hawking moved slowly. Okay. Hawking moved slowly, his motorized (laughs) wheelchair gliding across the sun-soaked airstrip where a beautiful Boeing 727 sat glistening in the hot Caribbean sun. Yep. He recognized a couple of guys hanging outside the plane. He knew Clinton already. He had participated in dozens of conferences at the White House and various science galas. There was a strong odor of marijuana in the air, and as Hawking got closer... He realized the smell was coming from a large doobie the guys were passing around. <laughs> what are you, a fucking boomer? A ha- doobie? Hawking. Hawking recognized one of the men as the African-American actor from The Fifth Element, the 1997 film starring one of Hawking's favorite actors, Bruce Willis. What? I thought you were going to say Chris Tucker. It is Chris Tucker. Okay. Who is on record as going to Epstein Island. 100%, yes. 100%. As the guys standing... No, actually, uh, he was brought to Africa by the plane. As the guys... He did not go to the island. As the guys standing... Well, my story has him on the island. Okay, cool. As the guys standing around the plane noticed him, they seemed a little... uh, As the guys standing around the plane noticed him, they seemed to be taken a little by surprise. Hello, doctor, Clinton said in his smug southern accent. Hawking brought the chair to a stop and began typing a message into his speaking machine. What is up, my dudes? Who of you is ready to score some young pussy? (laughs) (laughs) The group was silent. Hawking could see them glancing at one another. After a call... After a couple awkward seconds, Bill Clinton spoke up. Hey, uh, Chris, this is Dr. Stephen Hawking, one of the smartest men in the world. Wouldn't know it by looking at him, though, huh? Clinton and the other guy laughed. Hawking fumed inside. Fucking dumb hick, he thought. But instead pressed a pre-programmed laugh that cut through the air like a knife. The other man offered Hawking a closed fist. Hey, man, nice to meet you. I'm, I'm Chris Tucker. Hawking wiggled his arm as best he could towards the man, but... Wait, wait, <laughs> Chris Tucker was fist bumping him? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> everything is wrong with you this is so bad this is so bad everything it gets worse 
Hey man, nice to meet you. I'm Chris Tucker. Hawking wiggled his arm as best he could towards the man, but knew deep down it was useless. Who's ready to party? A booming voice echoed across the runway. It was Epstein, his shirt already off, bounding towards them, a lit cigarette in his hand. He jogged excitedly over to the men. Oh man, Steven, are you ready for the fucking time of your life? Yes. Hawking typed excitedly <laughs> into the voice machine. Clinton crossed his arms and glanced over at Epstein. You sure it's a good idea? The way he said it rubbed Hawking the wrong way. Clinton was a fucking bully and everyone knew it. Hawking was used to it. Everyone just assumed because he looked the way he did that the idea of fornication was completely foreign to him. They couldn't have been more wrong. Honestly, it was all Hawking thought about. In fact, not many people know this, but he came up with the idea for a multidimensional universe one day. Travis is no longer aligned with the microphone. He is just looking off to the side with both hands clasped to each other to his mouth. I'm listening to this amazing story. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. In fact... Not many people know this, but he came up with the idea for a multidimensional universe one day while watching pornography on 12 different computer monitors. Shit, it was practically the only reason he came to this hot, humid jungle in the first place. To set wheels on Epstein Island and find a girl who literally couldn't say no to him. He looked up at Epstein with hopeful eyes. Epstein grinned wide, revealing a set of yellow, rotting teeth. All aboard! The plane ride wasn't particularly memorable. Bill was talking with Chris Tucker about a young black politician from Illinois who threatened his wife's future presidency. Whatever Bill was saying, Hawking could tell the actor was incredibly uncomfortable. Hawking awoke from the jolt of the plane's wheels hitting the runway. Everyone gathered their things, and a large ramp unfolded from the side of the plane. As he descended the ramp, Hawking could barely believe what was in front of him. About 20 girls, the oldest of which looked barely 21, stood in a line, welcoming the plane's inhabitants as they made their way onto the tarmac. A giant blue and white striped building with an ornate golden dome stood dramatically on the hill behind them. As the girls waved in blue kisses. (laughs) (laughs) So bad, I'm so ashamed. I don't know if I'm gonna make it through this. You can through it. Okay. Dude, you're crying again. I know. Where the fuck? Where the fuck? <laughs> There's fucking tears. <sighs> okay. As the girls waved in blue kisses, Hawking could have sworn he felt his penis gently turn over inside oh of his underpants. Oh my god. <laughs> fuck. Why? Why? You're ruining this podcast. One of the young women, a redhead. <laughs> oh my god, this is so bad. <laughs> One of the young women, a redhead wearing what looked like a cut-up potato sack and shackles, seemed to lock eyes with him. Nervously, Hawking scanned his machine looking for the proper introduction. Your procedure lurks above a road, the machine squeaked out. God damn it, Hawking thought. The girl glanced over in Bill Clinton's direction, quickly losing interest. Before Hawking could type anything else into the box, he felt... Wait, wait, wait. Your story has Stephen Hawking not able to seduce a child sex slave. Yeah, he, yeah, his, okay. yeah, he, had, a, he had a bad autocorrect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, bad autocorrect on his machine. This is fine. This is... Uh, God damn it, Hawking thought. The girl glanced over in Bill Clinton's direction, quickly losing interest. Before Hawking could type anything else into the box, he felt himself being whisked in the opposite direction. Someone was pushing him, quickly, towards a pier where a large boat was docked. What about the girls? Hawking managed to type as he was shuffled on board. (laughs) As he was shuffled on board, Epstein Epstein responded. There'll be plenty of time for that. 
But Hawking wasn't too sure. He looked forlornly in the direction of the shore as it got further and further away from them. And here's a picture of, of Hawking on Epstein's boat. A listener, there are literally multiple nude women on a boat. And, okay, I don't even know what to say. Oh, I got to show Travis. <sighs> so... That's Hawking right there on the boat, and there's like naked women, and there's um, Epstein, there's Epstein, and God knows who else. Yeah. <clears throat> Some time passed on the boat. Clinton and Tucker were attempting to catch fish with deep sea poles attached to the stern of the ship. Epstein had fallen asleep on a towel, a burning cigar dripping hot ash into a tangle of thick gray hair covering his chest. Hawking was bored out of his mind. He checked the digital clock in the corner of his screen. It had only been forty-five minutes. Any feeling he had in his penis had long since faded. <laughs> he attempted to chat up a young brunette, asking her if she had any interest in what time might look like from the fifth dimension. But all she wanted was to use his computer to call for help. <laughs> After what seemed like hours, Hawking spotted the Golden Dome and knew they had finally made their way back to shore. Sunburnt and low on batteries. <laughs> Hawking... <laughs> Go on. Low on batteries, huh? <laughs> Hawking propelled himself towards a covered awning a hundred feet from the water. To his delight, some of the girls were there. Bill Clinton pulled a pair into his lap. Chris Tucker was pouring shots of expensive liquor into ten golden cups. Hawking spotted the redhead from earlier, sitting with another scientist from the convention, drinking neon-colored cocktails. He squinted at his keyboard, loaded up a carefully thought-out conversation starter, and crept slowly in their direction. A strong hand grabbed his shoulder, sending jarring waves throughout his body. It was Epstein. You're not going anywhere, doctor. I've got something special for you. Hawking's eyes lit up. Finally, this was it. The moment he had been waiting for. Surely, Epstein had pitied him and arranged for the most beautiful virgin on the island to be sacrificed unto him, an honor only bestowed to the most prolific of their time. Hawking snapped out of his daydream. In front of him was a large yellow mini-submarine floating silently on the dark blue water. Oh... Hawking said. <laughs> I thought you'd be more excited, yelled Epstein. I had this bitch modded out so you could ride in it. So we could ride in it. Together. He was so sincere, Hawking couldn't say no. Also, Hawking had no ability to escape, even if he wanted to. He was literally trapped in his chair, trapped in this body, and no bitches to show for it. <laughs> and with that... I hope they fucking bury you with that last sentence on your fucking grave. And with that... Epstein lifted him up and stuffed him into the cramped submarine before climbing in after him and sealing the door. To Hawking's surprise, also in the submarine were Chris Tucker and Hillary Clinton. Apparently, she had been staying on the island waiting for Bill to finish with the conference, and the two of them would head to Saudi Arabia together the following day. Here's a picture of Hawking in the mini-sub. That's real. That's that, Epstein's mini-sub? That's Epstein's mini-sub. Fine. As thousands of rare tropical fish swam past the rounded windows of the sub, Hawking yawned. It was getting late. He became paranoid. Had they kept him busy all day just to deprive him of the island's most famous attraction? Bill would do something like that. He, <laughs> he glanced over at Hillary, who was injecting a small vial into her neck. She, she, she smiled genuinely at him. He always liked Hillary more than Bill. He yawned again. Before he drifted off to sleep, Hawking could vaguely hear Epstein yammering on about a herd of whales that was swimming alongside the sub. As the submarine approached the dock, a handful of girls gathered by the pier waiting to receive the boat's occupants. Hawking could feel himself moving, but he wasn't. But he knew he wasn't in his chair. He looked up. Epstein was carrying him like a father carrying a child who had fallen asleep watching TV. <laughs> in his sleepy haze. <laughs> I got it. 
In a sleepy haze, he vaguely was able to process the faces of the women as he was carried past them and back to his chair on a deck near the main house. Here's a picture of him on a deck at the main house surrounded by women asleep in his chair. Okay. As the party raged around him and wild orgies echoed throughout the property, Dr. Stephen Hawking slept soundly in his chair, (coughs) occasionally having his body manipulated so guests could take pictures with him. And there's the picture. Oh, God. And that, my friends, is the story of Stephen Hawking traveling to Epstein Island. Oh, well, I didn't think I'd hear about Stephen Hawking's dick so much today, I gotta say. (laughs) (laughs) The crazy thing is that he actually did go to fucking Epstein Island. He did, yeah, yeah, he did. That's the craziest shit in the world. And now, a Jeffrey Epstein deep dive with Julian Field. A few days ago, I sat down to research Jeffrey Epstein. Within 15 minutes, I had a headache and felt nauseous. An hour later, I had only written two sentences. The first was, Jeffrey Epstein was born wealthy. (laughs) And the second was, Jeffrey Epstein looks like Scott Bakula if he quantum leapt into (laughs) underage girls. (laughs) Today, sitting down to write some more, I still have a raging headache, but I also have coffee and desperation. So here goes. A warning before we start, obviously this part of the episode includes accounts of sexual and physical violence against minors. After graduating high school, Epstein dropped out of college twice. He then taught calculus and physics at the Dalton School, which is an Ivy League prep school on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Funnily enough, the school used to be named the Children's University School. During this period, he taught the son of the chairman of Bear Stearns, a massive investment bank. And wouldn't you know it, by 1976, Epstein was working as an options trader at Bear Stearns, which would later be investigated for fraud during the financial crash of 2008. Right. By 1980, he made partner. A year later, he left in a hurry after committing a Reg D violation, which is a regulation that makes institutions keep a certain amount of cash reserves in order to meet immediate withdrawals against their transaction accounts. I totally understand what that means. A year after that, uh, Jeff started his own firm, J. Epstein & Co., which specialized in managing the wealth of billionaires. Clients included the owner of Abercrombie & Fitch, among others. That guy hunts humans for sure. Epstein bought a massive residence on the Upper East Side, a nine-story mansion just off Fifth Avenue that spanned 50,000 square feet. Holy shit. The place was actually a private school that had been converted into a residence. Here are some excerpts from Vicki Ward's Daily Beast article giving her account of touring his mansion. The entrance hall is decorated not with paintings, but with row upon row of individually framed eyeballs. These the owner tells people with relish were imported from England where they were made for injured soldiers. Next comes a marble foyer, which does have a painting in the manner of Jean du Buffet, but the host coyly refuses to tell visitors who painted it. In any case, guests are like pygmies next to the nearby twice-life-sized sculpture of a naked African warrior. Tea is served in the, quote, leather room, so-called because of the cordovan-colored fabric on the walls. The chairs are covered in a leopard print, and on the wall hangs a huge oriental fantasy of a woman holding an opium pipe and caressing a snarling lion skin. (laughs) Oh my god. Unclear. Under her gaze, plates of finger sandwiches are delivered to Epstein and guests by the manservants in white gloves. The office features a gilded desk, which Epstein tells people belonged to banker J.P. Morgan. 
18th century black lacquered Portuguese cabinets and a nine-foot ebony Steinway D Grand. Covering the floor, Epstein has explained, is the largest Persian rug you'll ever see in a private home, so big it must have come from a mosque. Amid such splendor, there is one particular startling oddity, a stuffed black poodle standing atop the grand piano. Quote, no decorator would ever tell you to do that, Epstein brags to visitors. Quote, but I want people to think what it means to stuff a dog. What the hell does that even yeah, mean? What the fuck is that? Listen, a lot of people are debating what does it mean to stuff a dog. Epstein is just helping you out to understand it better. Yeah. And to figure it out, you right. must be invited to his yeah. private... But everyone has that mansion. question. What does it mean to stuff a dog? You know? Jesus Christ. Anyways, Jeffrey changed the name of his firm to Financial Trust Company while simultaneously moving it to the island of St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands to skirt taxes, of course. At some point, Jeffrey purchased the island of Little St. James in the Virgin Islands as well. There, he built a luxury compound with a library, cinema, bungalows for guests, and a standalone Japanese bathhouse. Epstein also owned a mansion in Palm Beach, Florida, a ranch in New Mexico, an apartment in Paris, and of course, the infamous Boeing 727 that he and his many friends used for transportation. Epstein had positions on multiple prestigious institutions like the Trilateral Commission, the Council on Foreign Relations, the New York Academy of Sciences, and the Institute of International Education. So who were Jeffrey's posse? Well, he liked his wealthy finance people like Larry Summers, Mort Zuckerman, Ronald Perlman, and Tom Pritzker. But he also flew Bill Clinton more than a dozen times to his island, often without Secret Service, who do not appear on the flight logs from that period. He also brought Prince Andrew to the island multiple times, and of course Epstein also hung out with Donald Trump, who had a mansion near Epstein in Florida. In fact, Mar-a-Lago was also quite near to the Epstein residence. In 2002, Trump said, quote, I've known Jeff for 15 years. Terrific guy. He's a lot of, a lot of fun to be with. Uh, he has even said that he likes uh, beautiful women as much as I do, and many of them are on the younger side. <sighs> also in 2002, Vicky Ward was doing research on Epstein for a Vanity Fair profile piece. He invited Ward to his Upper East Side mansion. Quote, the only book he'd left out for me to see was a paperback of the Marquis de Sade. During her investigation, Epstein repeatedly asked her, quote, what do you have on the girls? He tried to spin this as a question about his romantic exploits with adult women, which he really wanted to include in the article for some reason. Well, it turned out that Vicky had a few things on them. At the time, she had two sisters and their mother come forth with a story about how Epstein had molested both of the young girls. At the time, the younger sister was 16. Epstein had promised the older one to buy her art, and the younger one a trip abroad she needed on her resume to get into an Ivy League school. Vicky Ward writes, quote, The girl's mother told me by phone that she had thought her daughters would be safe under Epstein's roof, not least because he phoned her to reassure her, and he also knew Ghislaine Maxwell with him at all times. Uh, we'll later find out that she was literally involved in the child trafficking ring as the madam. Jesus. When the girl's mother learned that Epstein had, regardless, allegedly molested her 16-year-old daughter, she'd wanted to fight back. Quote, at the time, I wanted to go after him. I mean, physically, mentally, you know, in every way, shape, and form. And the advice I was given was, you know, he is so wealthy, he can fight you. He can make you look ridiculous. He can make your daughters look ridiculous. Plus, he can hurt them. And that was the thing that frightened me, was that he would know where they lived and could possibly just send somebody when they walk the dog at night or something around the corner and we'd never hear from them again. 
she told the journalist. Epstein called Vicky when he learned that she was looking into this part of the story. He told her, quote, just the mention of a 16-year-old girl carries the wrong impression. I don't see what it adds to the piece, and that makes me unhappy. He then fabricated letters from the girls that he sent to Graydon Carter, then editor-in-chief of Vanity Fair, which Vicky was writing for. Epstein also personally visited the Vanity Fair offices. In fact, Vicky puts it as like he got past security. That level of weirdness. Whoa. Throughout all the harassment, Vicky and her sources stayed strong. Then she got a call in December of 2002. Graydon Carter was removing any mention of the girls from the article. He gave multiple reasons, but none of them made any sense. It was clear that the pressure Epstein and his friends had put on Carter had worked. Vicky was heartbroken. She gave birth to twins soon after. After she started recovering from the pregnancy, she went out to her first party. Quote, there was Jeffrey Epstein sucking a lollipop. Vicky, he said, you look so pretty. Before we move on, I recommend reading Vicky Ward on Epstein. She's done blockbuster work on him and has since, unsurprisingly, left Vanity Fair. In 2003, Jeffrey tried to buy New York Magazine, but was outbid by some other piece of shit. Among the other bidders was all-around good guy in front of the podcast, Harvey Weinstein. In 2003, after the Jeffrey Epstein Six Foundation, apparently he's the sixth person to be called that name, donated $30 million to Harvard for the founding of a mathematical, biology, and evolutionary dynamics program. The Harvard Crimson newspaper wrote the following about him. Quote, While the mathematics teacher turned magnet remained unknown to most people until he flew President Clinton, Kevin Spacey, and Chris Tucker to Africa to explore the problem of AIDS and economic development facing the region. Epstein has been a familiar face to many at Harvard for years. In March of 2005, a 14-year-old girl and her parents reported that Epstein molested her at his Palm Beach mansion. Apparently, a classmate of hers at the Royal Palm Beach High School had, quote, recruited her, and she had given him a, quote, massage in exchange for money. In April of that year, cops searched Epstein's trash and found a telephone message with the girl's name on it and a time that matched the girl's visit to his mansion. They also found multiple other names and phone numbers. In October, the police is in the middle of interviewing another girl when Jeffrey Epstein calls her phone. Oh my God. She lets it go to voice message. <laughs> multiple girls are now corroborating the evidence and Epstein's own butlers admit to police that he has multiple visits a day from girls. The cops get a search warrant and on October 20th, they check out his mansion. In May 2006, police charged Epstein and two of his assistants with multiple counts of unlawful sex acts with a minor. The Palm Beach State Attorney Barry Krischer refers the case to a grand jury, which is weird. In June, the grand jury listens to only one of the girls and then indicts Jeff on a single count of solicitation of prostitution. No mention of the girls being underage or recruited from a local high school. Hmm, seems like somebody got to Barry Krischer. Epstein's legal team included Alan Dershowitz and Ken Starr of Clinton Blowjob fame. So the guy who prosecuted Clinton for getting a beige from a 22-year-old was now defending a dude who had fucked 14-year-olds. Cool. Anyways, his lawyers aimed for a, quote, deferred prosecution that involved Jeff entering a, quote, pretrial intervention program with no jail time. The Palm Beach police chief, who was not stoked at all by this, pressured the FBI into opening a federal investigation they dubbed, quote, Operation Leap Year. They didn't mince words. Documents showed they were investigating possible, quote, child prostitution. 
By November, they were interviewing people in Florida, New York, and New Mexico. By May of 2007, the U.S. Attorney's Office was gearing up to present the case to a federal grand jury. Epstein's attorneys request a meeting to discuss the investigation. In June, a 53-page indictment is prepared by the U.S. Attorney's Office, and Jeff's team is in negotiations for a plea deal. In July, a grand jury asked for Epstein's computers, which had apparently been removed from his Florida mansion before the cops searched it. By August, Alexander Acosta gets involved. He is the U.S. attorney in Miami, entering into a plea deal discussion and delaying the computer requisition. In October, after a lot of foot-dragging from Epstein's legal team, absolute fuckface Alexander Acosta meets with an Epstein lawyer and agrees to a plea deal that involves not notifying the victims, keeping the deal under seal, and canceling all grand jury subpoenas, which included the computers. The prosecution asked for an addendum that would grant the victims an attorney who could fight for civil compensation. Epstein's team refuses. They delay again. The victims are told the investigation continues. 2008 finds Epstein's defense team arguing he shouldn't be registered as a sex offender. Meanwhile, the FBI has located more witnesses and evidence. Epstein's victims are repeatedly harassed by his lawyers during this time. Behind closed doors, an agreement is reached. Epstein will plead guilty to a single count of solicitation of prostitution and a single count of soliciting prostitution with a minor. He gets 18 months in jail and a year of house arrest. He does have to register as a sex offender, level three, which means that there was high risk of him repeating his offenses. Much later, a free Epstein on the streets of New York is quoted as saying, I'm not a sexual predator. I'm an offender. It's a difference between a murderer and a person who steals a bagel. Jesus. The victims only find out later about the plea deal. They enter a lengthy legal battle just to find out what the plea deal even involved. But at least they can find comfort in Jeffrey being in jail, right? Well, by October of that year, Epstein gets picked up by his private driver five days a week and is transported to his office in West Palm Beach, where he accepts visitors for up to 12 hours a day. Returning to prison only to sleep. In prison, he has his own private security escort. He's released five months early. He's supposed to stay in Palm Beach, but records show him traveling to Manhattan and the Virgin Islands multiple times during this period. In 2009, a police captain finds him just walking down a street in the middle of the afternoon when he's supposed to be at his office. His probation officer says it's cool because it's just exercise, even though Epstein himself said he was walking to work. Uh, which... By the way, it's extra horrifying because it means that he probably could have just walked by, like, the house of a victim. Yeah. Like, just just during his jail period, he could have just walked by the house of a victim. Yeah. Fucking cool, man. Unreal. I love being rich, dude. In 2015, a woman called Virginia Roberts files a claim that she was recruited at Mar-a-Lago by Epstein and forced to have sex with Prince Andrew and Alan Dershowitz when she was underage. She explains that Ghislaine Maxwell, British socialite and maybe the closest person to Epstein, acted as his madam, wrangling underage girls for him and his friends to molest. They sent victims to recruit other girls from high schools, malls, etc. They also employed a modeling agency that funneled underage girls to various Epstein-owned locations. The girls were housed together and often promised modeling deals if they agreed to sleep with specific men. His promises seem credible because Jeffrey Epstein was close friends with Victoria's Secret owner, Les Wexner. In fact, Roberts explained that Jeffrey often boasted of having, quote, dirt on many powerful men who then were, quote, in his pocket because of all the video evidence Jeffrey gathered from the multiple cameras he had set up just to do that. That includes his island and mansion. 
Roberts sues Maxwell for defamation in multiple civil lawsuits that same year claimed that Epstein and Maxwell were operating an international sex trafficking operation. Maxwell later settles with Roberts for an undisclosed sum. In 2016, a lawsuit is filed in Manhattan by Katie Johnson, that was the name she was using at the time and not her real name, but it claimed that Epstein pimped her out to Donald Trump during a party at Epstein's mansion, where she says Trump raped her on four different occasions during different parties, and that Epstein did the same afterwards. She also claims that they hit her in the face multiple times when she resisted. In the document of her complaint, it stated that, quote, Trump responded to her pleas by violently striking her in the face with his open hand and screaming that he would do whatever he wanted. She claims that both of the men threatened her, explaining that if she ever told anyone about the rapes, her and her family would be harmed or killed. She was 13 years old at the time. Just days before the November 2016 election, Johnson pulls out of a press conference saying that she has been threatened and fears for her life. She later drops the lawsuit. In December of 2018, Bradley Edwards alleges that Epstein sued him to punish him for representing the victims in court. I never felt this day would ever come that somebody finally would hear us. It's overwhelmingly meaningful because nobody has ever treated us like we were victims. Edwards claims that the judge narrowed the scope of the case, which stopped Edwards from producing evidence that he abused and trafficked hundreds of young girls between 1999 and 2006. I'd like to thank Julie K. Brown from the Miami Herald for her reporting on the case. She has a really comprehensive and methodical approach, and honestly, I'm really grateful for that as a researcher. Epstein remains a free man at the time of recording. Trump remains the president of the United States. A redacted version of the infamous Black Book is available on the internet for anybody to read. So is the complaint lodged against Epstein and Trump by Katie Johnson. Damn, that shit is so depressing. It's, f- it's fucked. It's so fucked. Dear listener, every everybody's face in our little recording room is just... We, we all just look like broken men. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what to say about it, to be honest. Yeah, Jesus Christ. It's good. Well, well I mean, thank- it's, a, it's, a, it's a good reminder of why, uh, you know, it's important to uh, monitor, you know, what my daughter does on her phone. Yes, <laughs> at the yeah. very least. Yeah. Monitor, if monitor, she ever goes to a party at Mar-a-Lago, yeah, right. you should yeah. start to worry. I should start to worry. Because that it's was like, clearly a recruiting uh, ground for underage prostitutes. Yeah. Well, it sounds like tons of places were that... Um, the fucking guy was... Rec- he was so blatant. He was recruiting teenage girls from the local high school in Palm Beach. Like, he's not even trying to import from abroad or something. He's just straight up like, hey, how's that local high school? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. He's like, what's up? I know the owner of Victoria's Secret. You want to be a Victoria's Secret model? Oh, yeah. The butlers said that basically he got massages from underage girls several times every day. His book is just hundreds of names. Like, the guy was just all the time doing this shit. His island is an absolute fucking pedophile heaven. And and nevertheless, and nevertheless, he it seems like he wasn't punished in the least bit. No, and what's funny about like you could say, "Hey, oh, there was a hit job on Trump like right before the election." But Clinton never really went with that shit because for obvious reasons, yeah, right? Like she was implicated. Hillary, yeah, I yeah. mean, her husband definitely was. Uh, she wasn't on the flight logs, but mm-hmm. he was. And yeah, so it's like, I don't think that that girl's claim is incredible. 
it, it's yeah. it seems pretty credible. And it states that the president of the United States raped and beat her several times. I mean, I I don't even fucking know what to say about that. Fun fact: uh, two presidents are basically pedophiles yeah. like fucking violent pedophiles yeah confirmed by multiple sources in a way that it's yeah. it's not something you can write off as like a bullshit bill clinton is on those flight logs for more than 12 different times possibly as high as 24 times he went to that island consistently sure maybe a few of those times nothing happened but i'm sorry in the long run, you're clearly well, involved. And like, you know what? It's it's not like there's also like an incredibly public case of Bill Clinton, uh, you know, forcing himself oh, yeah. on like multi, not just He's Monica Lewinsky, times, yeah. not just Mon Monica Lewinsky, no. multiple, no, Juanita Monica Broderick. Lewinsky, there the fact that he got fucking impeached for Monica Lewinsky is a joke. That was consensual. She yeah. was a 22 year old. Yeah, that that yeah. was the best thing he's ever done in his fucking life. Yeah. That was a, that was that was a decent thing he did, and it, imp it involves Trump, which is why real Pizzagate is so fucking stupid. Yeah, like your fucking man god, Donald Trump, is a fucking allegedly a man who has committed sexual and physical violence on a thirteen-year-old girl. We'd like to thank Westbrook for the music we used last week and this week in the interstitials and possibly plenty of other places. Westbrook, you truly are a, quote, good guy that we would, quote, like to play Atlas with. We don't run any advertising on our podcast. We are supported entirely by our listeners. You can subscribe for $5 a month and get access to all of our premium episodes and give the show a chance to grow and remain editorially independent. So head over to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous to support us, please and thank you. Now, although we love you all and thank you for your support, the ends of our episodes have become a very long list of names. Out of respect for our listeners, we are going to be shouting out patrons at the beginning of each month now. Higher tiers will carry over every month so you can feel extra special. We will put that in place after this episode. I'd like to say thank you to our new $5 subscribers, Turing, Mark K, Harvey J, Eric S, Jen E, Ian T, Brehon H, Eric K, Tom, Aaron H, Gregory, Alex K, HDX, who edited his pledge to $6.66. Great job. Uh, Johnny G, Zachy Boy, Zachary L, Manuel B, Nate S, Madison M, and Stacy M. A big thank you to our $10 subscribers, Allison L, AW, Adam W, Benjamin, Chinchi, Doug S, Drew M, Eric O, James O, Joel D, John S, Josh R, Meredith A, thank you for upping your pledge, Nikki W, Owen H, Q Loves Cake Farts, thank you for making me read that. Please do not use it uh, in compromising uh, situations to ruin my career later on. Yeah, that's what's going to down you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robert B, and of course, Sabir. And a massive thank you to our $20 subscribers, Brant F, Chris M. Thanks for subscribing. Your personal audio message is being prepared. Chris T, Derek T, Joel TH, Luke B, and Susie R. If you can't afford to support us financially, you can help by telling friends about us and sharing the word online. Go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Uh, we also have a Discord server where people hang out and chat, DM us, or find the Discord tweet in our Twitter timeline. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at QAnon Anonymous. And for the hosts, it's at Julian Field, that's F-E-E-L-D, at Real Rockatansky, and at Travis underscore View. Travis, take us out. Listener, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you.